0: Now you're on to football centric.
1: Welcome back to another interesting edition of Football Centric. Yes, it's been an amazing past seven days when it concerns everything in the world of football, from Europe to England, Spain, Germany, basically everything you could ever have imagined. And of course, the guys are back to give you all the load down and the interesting juicy details. I, of course, I am Oluwadamiru Jusaliwa, and it's never good to ride solo. We're going to be too right about now, giving you all the updates as they connect with every football I have with me my man my partner in crime if I can put it that way my striker my striking partner
0: hey hello what's going on what's happening how you
1: doing I'm super excited I am super excited like we talked about last week it's good to have football back and everything we've been seeing from goals to tackles from controversy it just tells you that we can actually not live without football
0: no, we can't. I mean, what's a world like football without football rather? That's like when God created the earth, nothing was happening. That's how that's how it was back in April when, when we had nothing to look forward to. But right now, I mean, every day is just like, it's like a, every day in March day, you know, makes it better. When you're done with work, you know, you can look forward to something great. And that's been my experience over the past two weeks or thereabouts. So football being back, I mean, We couldn't have asked for it any other time than
1: now. All right. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Like you said, I'm super excited that almost every time of the day, there's something to look forward to when it comes to football. As early as 2 p.m., you have games. As late as 11 p.m., you also have games. So it just tells you that football is back with a bank and definitely you know we're talking about football in Europe there is one competition that stands alone as the apex of all things European football I'm talking about the UEFA Champions League and that's going to be one of the things we'll be talking about today alongside so many other things as officially the UEFA Champions League draws have been done for the concluding part of the 2019-2020 season and just before we go into what those matches are like can you just put into words how excited you are about the latter stages of the UEFA Champions League?
0: Words can't describe. If I can put it into words, <laughs> words honestly can describe how I feel heading into what is going to be a, a series of knockout games. It's going to be like eleven days, all those matches. I mean, August normally would be when you be anticipating the new season. This time around, it's be climaxing. So. We can't. We couldn't have asked for a better August than we're having right now, and I just can't wait to have all of these and experience all the matches concurrently. Like the games will go on one after the others. It's more like a holiday for football fans, and I just can't wait for the first game to kick off in the UEFA Champions League knockout series.
1: Talk about having the best possible August visitor ever. The UEFA Champions League returns for the 2020 season. I'm super excited, man. I think I can use the word chopped to bits. That's exactly what describes my feelings right now. Let's <laughs> just into the pictures. <laughs> we have some very tasty encounters. First of all, we have to let you know that. Some round of 16 games are yet to be concluded, even though these draws were done for the quarterfinal stages. Four rounds of 16 games were yet to be concluded. Only the first leg of those matches we saw before the coronavirus took over the whole of football. And they include Manchester City against Real Madrid. Man City won the very first leg away from home. Lyon also against Juventus. Lyon are holding a one nil advantage in that one. Barcelona and Napoli, they drew one all in the first leg, as well as Bayern Munich, absolutely spanking Chelsea 3-0. So I won't be dwelling on the Bayern-Chelsea game, so it doesn't appear like I'm flogging an already dead horse. I mean, maybe Chelsea had the <laughs> dead horse. You didn't hear that from me. But let's move over to the three round of 16 fixtures. And is it just me, or are they very difficult to call because they are delicately poised right now?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's... It's it's difficult to call. You know why? I would say because of um, the difference difference in teams' readiness for this tournament. You get some teams have already ended their seasons while some are still in the peak of it. So when it says when the Champions League returns, some things might turn out to be fitter than the others. Some might be much rusty because they won't have played friendly matches or won't have played official matches. So it's it's really going to be hard to see a real balance. You know, normally you get to see these games right at the peak of the season where teams are in mm-hmm. uh, up and pumping and ready to do damage to opponents. And right now, most teams won't be on, on equal levels as regards fitness, as regards um, match readiness. So I, I think that's where the problem is. Aside that, everyone is excited to see these games come to life.
1: Okay, so let's pick up from a team who have not played football in a while. Let's start with the Lyon-Juventus game. Lyon have a 1-0 advantage, but have not played football in such a long time. Does that give Juventus the upper hand? And do you think they're going to go through to the quarterfinals?
0: Of course, it does give Juventus the upper hand. You know, Juventus is currently fighting for the title in um, Italy. The title well, is- not fighting per se, <laughs> but, but they are on a roll to- To another league title, and um, they have got experience on their side. They've got arguably one of the greatest players of all time, in Cristiano Ronaldo, who is also finding his foot as uh, when it comes to scoring goals. Again, he's got twenty-five goals uh, for Juventus. That's like the first place to do that in a very, very long time. So right now, they are on a good, good level of form or fitness, ready to take on opponents. And Juventus, the league—I said Juventus, um, sorry—Leon. The league ended because of the coronavirus and. Well, they would say they've been training, but you can't compare training games or training matches or training sessions to real football games. And you're not just playing against your 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 French teams. You're playing against Juventus, one of the strongest teams in Europe. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, I wouldn't just say because the game is going to be difficult, uh, because the game, because Leon won't defeat enough to play against Juventus, means that Juventus will run over them. I think Juventus will run over them because they are a better side, because they've got more experience, they've got quality players to do it for them. So, I would say based on that, Juventus, of course, being a better side wins one.
1: Okay, so Juventus and Bayern Munich through to the quarterfinals. Let's look at two other teams. I'm saving the Manchester City and Real Madrid. For me, that is without a doubt the most tasty fixture. But let's take a little peek. Barcelona against Napoli, two sides who right now are really in the midst of a wobbly set of form, if I can put it that way. Barcelona have drawn way too long. Napoli, you just don't know the Napoli that turns up. 1-1 1-1 in the first leg, now going back to Camp Nou, Barcelona have an away goal, but we've seen them struggle in the Champions League, even though that's away from home. Are we getting an upset in this time?
0: Uh, I do not think so. I mean, I really do not think so. If we get an upset, uh, that will be, that'll be a huge, huge upset because hmm. uh, Barcelona... Uh, very, very angry as regards the predicaments right now, and the only way to make everything look better would be to put in a very good show in the Champions League. And remember, these guys haven't won it since 2015 for Barcelona. That's a very, very long time. And with the guy, with guys like Messi, Suarez, Griezmann, um, Antufati, and the other guys, I really, I, I really think Napoli don't have what it takes to stop them. But then you look at Napoli again. I think these guys actually stopped Juventus um, from winning the Coppa Italia. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe, they have something in the arsenal to really battle Barcelona. After all, they played the one-all in the first leg, even with you know Messi and Co. So just maybe um, Napoli might spring up surprises. But if they do so, if they eventually get a result over Barcelona, which I think is unlikely, it would be a huge, huge surprise. I see Barcelona taking this one. Maybe not easily, but I think they have got what it takes to get the job done over Napoli.
1: Okay, so now let's move to my personal favourite. And if you ask me a game that I absolutely cannot call right now, it is the game between Manchester City and Real Madrid. A few reasons. Manchester City went to the Santiago Bernabeu 1-2-1. They have two away goals. But Real Madrid are probably the most informed team in the whole of Europe. Since we returned from the coronavirus pandemic, Manchester City have been very wobbly. We've seen different shades of City, one that spanked Liverpool 4-0, another one that lost to Chelsea 2-1. My first thoughts, this is too good to be a round of 16 tie. But of course, we can't do anything about that. What what are we likely to see from this game? Is there any way back for the 13-time champions?
0: Of course. I mean, Real Madrid will be licking their lips knowing how good their form is right now. They'll look at this game and I'll be like, you know what, let's quickly wrap up this title in Spain and focus on Manchester City. And knowing how, t- how tight their defence has been since the restart, they'll definitely be backing themselves against Manchester City, who, like you said, have not been consistent in getting results. They defeated Liverpool Fournier, lost the next game to Southampton. Who knows what's going to happen when they play again this weekend? So it makes you just wonder which city would show up against Real Madrid? Would it be a city that did Liverpool 4-0 or the one that lost to Southampton? However, whichever city shows that they Real Madrid know that if they put in a good throw in as they have done um, in recent weeks, uh, they can definitely get a result. But my my only problem with Real Madrid has to be the fact that the results after the restart has has been more of grinding results. You know, they've been able to grind a result one nils two ones, very, very close margins. They have not really been able to score so many goals. And in this kind of fixture, they need to score a lot of goals. Like two more, more than two goals, um, if they will concede any, to see themselves through against City, who we all know on their day, they can get a lot of goals. But Real Madrid have got a defense that can withstand City's pressure. I've also got an attack that can definitely rattle City's defense. So, like you said, this is delicately poised and um, these guys definitely know that, you know what, if we put in, both teams, I'm saying, can actually say to themselves, we have got what it takes to get through to the next round.
1: Well, Manchester City have a simple task. They know all they need to do now is avoid conceding more than one goal. If they don't concede more than one goal, no matter what happens, even if they don't score, they get to qualify for the next round. So, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Pick the person who advances to the quarterfinals Manchester City or Real madrid
0: oh that's 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 really tough uh of course, Pep Guardiola definitely wants to make his mark in the champions League with Manchester City. This is his fourth year in the club, yeah, and this is like and he has gotten to just one semi final he definitely will be looking to get as far as the finals and in fact winning it so If I was to place a bet on one team, my money would definitely be on Manchester City. Simple.
1: Okay. So Manchester City to make it through to the quarterfinals. That means officially we have our quarterfinal pairings according to the guys on Football Centric here. So it's Manchester City against Juventus. Leipzig will host... Well, not host. I mean, it's one leg. Leipzig against Atletico Madrid. It's Barcelona versus Bayern Munich and it's Atalanta versus PSG. Wow, that sounds like an absolute thriller of four matches to have in the quarterfinal.
0: Yeah, like this is bigger than anyone could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. The quality of football that will be on display is is mouth mouth-watering Leipzig, yes, you said they would lose the services of Timo Werner, but they are still a very, very good side. And it's been interesting to see how they cope and then Atalanta against PSG. I mean, Atalanta are already popular in Europe right now with the brand of football they're playing and how they have, you know, turned everyone's attention in Italy. Yes, Juventus are going to win a tight, but Atalanta have been a very good side over the past two seasons. And um, with the way they play, they, they're more attacking. They not press, they pass, and looking at how they dealt with Valencia, it's been very, very foolish for anyone to rule them aside and say PSG was troll over them because PSG, like you know, also haven't been. Competitively playing any game since the since the lockdown started, and Atlanta have been actively involved in Syria action. So it's going to be really really interesting to see what happens. I would I wouldn't back Atlanta. Of course, our back PSG have got better players, more quality. But if Atlanta gets a result over PSG, I would not be surprised.
1: Of course, not putting your money on Atalanta to beat PSG, but what I think I can put my money on is that it's going to be an over 2.5 game. Both teams <laughs> a number of goals. But we already have what our four quarterfinal matches look like. At this stage, if everything goes the way we've predicted it, who do you think has the best chance of being the 2019-2020 UEFA Champions League winners?
0: I think it's the Bayern Munich. I think they are, I mean, I use them on FIFA, by the way, and they are a very solid (laughs) side right now. (laughs) Yeah. Aside from how great they are on FIFA, I think they are very, very solid side. They have got um, quality in depth. They've got Lewandowski up top. Mm -hmm. They've got Mano in goal. Tiago Alcantara, Gretzka, you could keep naming on and on. Um, Alphonso Davies, they've got David Alabar. So, you, you, this, I mean, you look at the team, how can you play against them? How can you break them down? Do you want to sit deep, circle pressure and hit them on the break? They've got players that are fast enough to stop your attack. They've got Alphonso Davies who will stop your attack anywhere you're pushing it from. They've got Audrey Zola. They've got players who've got pace. You know, to play them in terms of passing the ball. You can't do that. They've got players that are equally adept at, you know, making plays, passing, moving the ball around. You want to play long. They've got Sule, who is tall, strong, firm. They've got Noya, who plays as a super goalkeeper, who can sweep up. So, I mean, you think of how can you, how best can you play against these guys? And you you easily can't think of anything to do against them. Your only hope and prayer is that they don't turn up that day. Because if they do, man, (laughs) I saw them play against Chelsea and Literally, you know, I, I I didn't feel bad at all because it was clearly there was clearly a gulf in difference in terms of quality between both sides. Bayern Munich were operating like a machine, well oiled. Chelsea, nah, couldn't they, they were not close to that Bayern side. So, well, Chelsea, I wouldn't use Chelsea as a benchmark for other teams, but yeah. haven't seen other other teams play. I I don't think there is a side right now in Europe. That can stop Bayern Munich when they are playing on their pumps.
1: Okay, I mean that's a very interesting take. Some people would differ the fact that they are likely to play face Barcelona and it's one leg, and Barcelona have a Messi. That's your controversial opinion. <laughs> who leave it like that. And talking about controversy, let's let's leave Europe right now, and we have to, well we're still in Europe technically. We're going to England right now, and probably one of the most controversial weeks ever. In Premier League history, we're talking about the Premier League right now. We saw VAR in the Premier League over the past few days, the last match day. And it was, if you ask me, absolutely atrocious. We saw three different VAR decisions concerning penalties. And officially, the Premier League have come to admit that there were three different wrong VAR decisions what exactly is going on with the video assistant referee and how it's been applied in England?
0: It is crazy because every weekend there's always going to be a controversy. And this one just peaked because, I mean, having three controversial decisions incorrectly given just says it all. Something has to be done. And thankfully, IFAB, those are the guys in charge of regulating the game. Yeah. yeah They've come up to say that from next year, every league would have to adhere to FIFA rules. So maybe that's going to change. Maybe that's going to change how things have been done in England as regards to VAR, but something definitely has to be done. Because um, look at a team like Bournemouth who are struggling for points, who yeah. needed, who, needed who's, who, who needs to survive. Just imagine how that points or how, how that goal that was ruled out would affect their chase for survival. If they had won that game, they'd probably have a very good chance of surviving. But right now, they'll have to dig deep again this weekend when they play against another top side. So, I mean, you can't just keep making mistakes and hope that... Uh, I don't expect repercussions. Something has to be done. You can't be making mistakes at the expense of teams' teams' survival status in Premier League and all those things. It's, it's just unfair. And something has to be done. <laughs> okay.
1: okay, So we'll start with the Bournemouth-Spurs game. Even though I know a lot of people have their eyes on the Aston Villa-Manchester United one, that penalty that Bruno yeah. Fennell is... In quotes, one for Manchester United. But let's start with that Bournemouth Spurs game. The very first decision that felt really, really bizarre was when Hurricane was hacked down in the box, well, shoved in the box, beg your pardon, and that wasn't given. I thought the point of VAR coming into the Premier League and coming into football was to eradicate some of these controversies. I had always been pro VR. From the moment I saw it being deployed in football, I was really excited. But where has it all gone wrong? Is it just a case of the interpretation or are there more or factors that makes VR struggle in England? I think the point where it
0: gets to is the fact that VRR also needs the referee's discretion. So if a referee sees a particular incident and decides not to give it, he wouldn't give it, regardless of how many times he sees it on the VR screen or whatever he's been told. And let's not forget also that in England, you know, you first off um, get to hear from the guy who is at the who is you know monitoring the VR himself. Yeah. And if he tells you it's a penalty, you might you know want to take his advice and not stress yourself going to the screen. So I think the fact that you know the referee's decision to go to the screen is at the last resort. First off, it totally defeats the purpose of what the VR stands for. Because normally what well, was we at the World Cup back in 2018 was referee going to check incidents themselves more often than not. So you have a clear, So your judgment isn't impeded by someone else's decision. Because, I mean, if you see an incident and the guy who is on the phone who is right in your ears tells you, it's a penalty. And then you go over to see the screen and you realize that, well, maybe I wouldn't give this penalty. And then you look at it over and over again. You might want to change your mind because someone has told you what to do. So I, I think the system is flawed to an extent in England and it has to be straightened out. The the Premier League, they let, you know, go a little different, try to do something different from what other leagues are doing. But at some point, you have to realize, is it really working? Does it really make any sense if we keep making mistakes? Because mistakes has been a consistent theme.
1: Yeah. All the
0: season, right from the beginning down to this period. So something has to be done. And change really needs to happen.
1: Okay, we well, remember the very first game after lockdown where Sheffield United get, got to battle against Aston Villa and then there was a goal scored by Sheffield United that was so obviously over the line, even though that was goal line technology, that's what they said at the issue. Mm-hmm. Feel, VR was, could have Exactly. Them. And he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't step in. I think another issue I have personally with VR is the fact that they they look at decisions and they say if it's not a clear and obvious error, I think that's already ambiguous enough also. So there are some situations where if a referee blows for a penalty, VR will not overrule the decision because it's not a clear and obvious error. If he also doesn't blow that same scenario as a penalty, they wouldn't overrule it because it's a clear and obvious error. And then you mentioned a very salient point of how referees are really going to the pitch side monitors so like Mourinho says he feels like the referee is a man at St George's Park. Jose so Mourinho is just it's just an absolute an absolute <laughs> an absolute <laughs> And I, mean, and I you can I imagine. I mean I mean he was he was very furious about the Spurs game. Another decision was Southampton getting a penalty when it wasn't a penalty and James Van prowse went on to actually miss that particular one. But the one that has dominated headlines and here's my issue with the game between Manchester United and Aston Villa Asides the fact that Aston Villa are deeply rooted in relegation waters and three points would have really done him a lot of good. Even for we who were watching the game at home, it was clear as daylight that that wasn't a penalty. Not only wasn't that a penalty, if there was any form of repercussion, it should have been something going against Fernandez. So how on earth has the referee, who is being paid millions of pounds, not spotted that particular one?
0: I mean, it's it's really really hard to just imagine how that wasn't given. Like it was clear, it, it was so clear because I can't imagine myself going to the screen and nothing and seeing nothing other than a freak mm-hmm. exhaust. like it was as clear as daylight as you said. I mean, he stepped on his feet. I, I, he stepped on the other guy's foot after I tried to make a skill. I, I, it's it's really really hard to just put put into words how. Horrible! How horrific! Sometimes um, the VR gets the signals wrong, and when you go to this, uh, c- come on, like he even had to, he saw it, it's, it's it's. I really do not understand, honestly, because um, we all wanted VR for things like this to yeah. come and address situations like this, where decisions like this won't be as hard as it used to be before. But right now, what's the difference? Cause if you you can see that foul and still decide to give it a penalty, what's what really is the use of VR then? What really is the use? So something has to be done. Something really, really has to be done. And um really, really happy that steps have been taken to make sure things like this are reduced in the forthcoming season. And it will be interesting to see how everything plays out.
1: Well, it's good to see that FIFA have decided to take all VR operations in England and other member nations. Let's see if the same way we have IFA who's guiding football across all countries and it gives us a level of uniformity, the same thing will be applied when VAR gets that uniformity from FIFA. I mean, we really need to get this whole controversy out of the way. The new team, one manager who have major issues with what happened in that game is actually Dean Smith of Aston Villa. And that's because they are fighting Tooth and nail to stay in the Premier League. And with that loss to Manchester United, they stayed in 19th, sitting precariously <laughs> a few points above the final spot in the six points. But officially, they are not the only ones who are looking to preserve their status in the Premier League. I think, apart from Crystal Palace, who are on 42 points, every other person below Crystal Palace in 14th have a relegation fight on their hands. Brighton in 15th have 36 points. West Ham in 16th have 31. Watford in 17th have 31. Bournemouth in 18th have 28. Aston Villa in 19th have 27 points. And Norwich at last place have 21 points. I think we can all agree that Norwich are relegated from the Premier League, right?
0: No doubt about that. They are gone.
1: <laughs> they are going back to the championship and they probably someone is going to buy and can't and then... The rest of the players, and maybe Poindia and then the rest of the players will be uh, I, the happen.
0: It's just very sad. I, I thought beginning of the season, Naruto looking like very exciting. You know, they came out with the fact that they had this project where they rather buy players, they groom them, and buy players that fit the profile. Unfortunately, the profile doesn't cut it. we have to go back to re strategize. Unfortunately, for guys like um, Timupuki, who came in with a lot of reputation as being the highest score in the championship last season. He hit the Premier League at light at first, and then he just couldn't start to out. And right now, they are looking like, in fact, not looking like, they are ready to get back in the championship.
1: That's the reality of the Premier League. Sometimes you do well in the lower divisions and then you come up and then you just can't cut it. Now for Norwich, if they do not win their next match, mathematically it will be confirmed that they are out of the Premier League. Well, the Canaries couldn't fly past the first hurdle in the Premier League. It's so, so sad. Let's look at the others in the relegation waters. We have some traditional teams in here. Aston Villa are a team at the point who used to battle at the... Well... Top half of the table at the point with Martin O'Neill doing magic with them. And now they are really staring relegation in the face. But between 15th and 19th, we have nine points. I mean, is there any chance for the likes of Bournemouth and Aston Villa who currently occupy the relegation spots?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, they still have a fighting chance, yeah, but... I'm trying to, you know, get a, get a, get a hang on the table and see, really, because I know it's still a huge, huge battle. So Aston Villa currently have twenty-seven points. Yep. One month, unfortunately, would have had more points if mm-hmm. Vieira went their way. Currently have twenty-eight. What for the West Ham? Are the other teams in the mix? So right now, uh, I I think Aston Villa do not have it really. Do you need a magical run of results in the next four matches to see things turn around and hope that other teams do not have the same fate as they would if they get to win all those matches. But I still think Watford, Bournemouth, West Ham would definitely be hoping and praying that results go their way also. Bournemouth, precisely, have been in Premier League for the past uh, four years now. And I've tasted the goods for a very long time. And in fact, if you're going to pick a team that, wouldn't, that would relegate this year, you definitely want to pick picked Bournemouth when the season started. And this is where they found themselves right now. And unfortunately, players like um, Ryan Fraser, who was one of their best players, decided not to play again because he, he wants to make a move. And it's really affected them since the restart. They've barely picked credible results since the restart. And um, it's really, really sad to see. Team, it seemed like Bournemouth. But if I make my pick, I think Arsenal will get relegated I also think uh, one month
1: will get relegated as well. Well, I still feel Brighton are in this relegation water of some sorts. Okay, well, just looking at the table again, they are five points ahead of West Ham. So I think, yeah, I think they might have done it to survive in the Premier League. Just to give you a picture of what each of these teams need to battle with to survive in the Premier League, Aston Villa's last four fixtures, they tr- they host Crystal Palace Travel away to Everton, host Arsenal, and a potential relegation six pointer on the final day, they get to travel to West Ham. Wow. That's as big as it is. Okay, let's look at Watford. On paper, actually, Watford look like they have easy fixtures Norwich at home, Newcastle at home, West. Okay, no, sorry, they've played Norwich already. They have Newcastle at home, West Ham away. They've got Man City at home and Arsenal away. Ooh, the final two fixtures are really, really, really tricky. For West Ham, okay, Norwich away, Watford at home. Then there's Manchester United away and, of course, Villa at home. And finally, for Bournemouth, who are looking to preserve their five-year stay in the Premier League, their last four fixtures, the travel, actually the host Leicester City, travel to play Manchester City, host Southampton, and then they travel to Everton in the final game of the season. Wow. It doesn't get more interesting than this in the Premier League. Talking about a race that is super interesting. A lot of people do not expect some certain names that we're seeing. But we still don't know who is going to win the highest goal scorer for the 2019-2020 Premier League season. There's some traditional names in the- Back to the winner Mohamed Salah is still in there. There's Jamie Vadi who won the play in 2015 2016. So, this is exactly how the highest goal scorers chart looks after 34 matches. Jamie Vadi with 22 goals. Pierre Mirko Bamiyan, who shared that golden boot with Salah and Mani last season, with 20. Salah with 19. And Danny Ings of Southampton also has 19 goals. I know this is so difficult. I know this is something we did not expect, but who do you think is first of all? Let's have a start with. Do you think the race for the golden boots is going to go to the final day? Yes, I think. I think it will hmm.
0: go to the final day. I mean, look at the look at the quality of strikers we are talking about here. Um, there's Abou there's Vardy, Moussa um, is just right there locking, mm-hmm. and of course um, Danny Ings. Nobody. I mean, fancied him early in the season to get as far as he is right now. Yeah. So it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, Obumayang and Mane were in the mix last year. In fact, three of them won it. Salamani Salah Mane and Obumayang. And this time around, they are also in the mix for this one too. Though they are slightly behind Obumayang on this one. But I'm very, very sure that it's going to be down to the wire. Because I mean, two goals between Vardy and Obumayang and it's one goal between Salah Mane and um, Obumayang and Danny Ings as well. I mean, you can't rule that out right now. It's going to be a battle down to the wire, and I see it's even being more interesting than than we've seen in recent years.
1: Well, as you mentioned, we had the Golden Boot shared last season among Salah, Mane, and Aubameyang, with four players with a realistic chance of actually winning this Golden Boot award with four games to go. Is there a scenario where we might have this gong shared again?
0: Yeah, possibly. Um Obuma Young, Vardy definitely have a chance, you know, of sharing this. If Vardy feels to score in the next game and or uh, Bart does, I mean he's on a roll as well. Though Vardy has got three goals in the last two matches, Obuma Yang definitely is always on card whenever it comes to scoring goals. So it, there might be a chance of it happening. And um yeah, so I wouldn't rule it, I won't I won't rule it out. It's happened time and time again. So I, I think it can happen.
1: All right, I'm looking at the fixtures, and it feels like Dan Ings might actually have the biggest chance of winning the Golden Boots. His last four fixtures, United, Brighton, Bournemouth, and Sheffield. Those look like games he can actually score goals in each of those ones. For Leicester City's Jamie Vardy, well, at the end of the season, he has Arsenal and Manchester United, even though he has Bournemouth and Sheffield just before that one. For Aubameyang, who you mentioned earlier, the final two games are Aston Villa and Watford. But before that, he has to battle Tottenham as well as Leicester City. So well, so with all those fixtures read out already and having an idea of what those players stand on with their numbers, who goes on to win the English Premier League Golden Boots for this season? I'm putting you on the spot now.
0: Um, uh, well, it's going to be hard to say. You know, these are quality players. Barty, Abba. Uh, Mane, Salah, Danny Ings. Yeah, they they are known to be goal scorers for their individual teams. But I think Jimmy Vardy, you know, if Leicester City will push for a place in, in, in top four, he's very, very key to making that happen. And in doing so, he needs to score them goals. And um I think he can. But then again, I also think of my Young, who's Arsenal, are currently finding their fate. And um they, they also... Although the the fixtures are not that favourable, but Aubameyang has got a, a a thing for scoring goals even in tough games. So I really do not want to rule him out. And then Sal, Sal, um, Salah and Mane, it's it's really really difficult. It's really difficult. But I think I will also go with Jamie Vardy.
1: All right. Sticking your neck out there for Jamie Vardy is a very difficult one. I don't even want to give my thoughts on this one. I'm not sticking my neck out for any player. Quickly, before we run off, there's a player who has been hugging all the headlines when it comes to scoring goals. Maybe if he started games earlier for Manchester United, he would actually be in discussion for the Golden Boots. I'm talking about no other than Mason Greenwood. He's done so well for Manchester United, just 18 years of age. Where? How far up there in world football, do you think missing Greenwood can go? Does he have the potential to be a world-class player?
0: I still don't think he has the potential to be a world-class player. I think he's good. He's clearly showing signs that he's got what it takes to be a top, top striker. But Mm. going world-class means he has to lead um, United to a Premier League title, win, get as far as semi-finals of Champions League consistently. And also, you know, become a very, very, very stable and reliable player for his for his national team. Likes of Harry Kane and Cole. Well, Harry Kane didn't necessarily win 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 the Talk of Up but he okay. got them fighting. Got 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 close winning title for sports. He also, you know, was the highest score in the World Cup in 2018, you know. He got to the finals of the Champions League with Spurs last year. So all these things make up a world-class striker. And also consistency matters. Can he keep it up? Can he do this for, can he score 30 goals consistently over the course of a season in more to, in more than just one season? I mean, those are the things he needs to do before to, to, to be able to get a world-class, become a, to become a world-class striker. But I think he has got what it takes to do that. Because he clearly has got the talent. He knows where the goal is. You know, he, he can hit the ball with both feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I, I think he's a talent. But, you know, we have seen talents come and go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we've seen them come and go. A lot of promise when they start and then fade away. So he's still 18. He still has got a lot, a lot to do. But I wouldn't rule him out uh, on being a top, top player. However, saying world class, that's still very, very far. And I do not want to put a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, he he seems to have something going for him right now.
1: All right. I'm talking about talents that seem to come and go, especially Manchester United. <coughs> Cuffs in Ananyanuzai. <laughs> that, that's, oh, that's just... Don't cool. forget <laughs> about
0: That was... Uh, that was that was Federico back in yeah. 2009. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know he came on, got a winning goal
1: against, uh,
0: against Aston Villa, and then you know we got another goal that season, and we're like, okay, this is it. This is the new kid on the block. He's gonna go all the way to the top, and, and eventually we don't know where he's it right? He went, now. It went <laughs> the opposite direction. I don't know where
1: he is right now. We don't know where Federico Makeda is, but we definitely know where all the content, all the juicy sporting details, and especially when you talk about football, everything football-related, all the banter and all the information and statistics lives right here on Football Centric. I must say a very big thank you, Toby. It's been absolutely amazing doing this and dissecting all these talking points with you.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely enjoyed every single bit of it. Although Anko has really, 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 really been, well, let me not say the word, but (laughs) (laughs) we we definitely enjoyed this one and hopefully next week's edition is going to be better.
1: Yeah, definitely. What you need to do is keep that date with us. Next week, we'll have another interesting edition of Football-Centric for you. But also, you can stalk us on social media. Yes, you need to get all those our tweets, our updates, our stats and everything. So just follow us on social media. Me, I'm at Damilu Jusaliu. Yes, at Jusallu, across all social media platforms. I'm sure Toby has his Twitter handle and Instagram handle out there for you right now.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. You can follow me on Twitter at b That's T H E T O D O B I. Or you can just search for Van Toby anywhere and then you'll find me smiling, writing my profile picture, waiting for you to just click the follow button.
1: All right. That's basically what you need to do. We'll be back for another interesting edition of Football Centric next week. Till then, stay safe and enjoy all the back to back to back to back to back football in action.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Football Centric. Please join us again another time.